electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, and put days like today in context. Call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. I am so sick of hearing that it's time to rotate into the small caps or go into the oils or buy the cyclical smokestack stocks. On a day where the market got hammered, Dow sinking 272 points, S&P shedding 0.46%, NASDAQ declining just 0.06%. Bye, 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 bye! Let's remember what actually took us to these record levels in the first place, because those stocks are still the best in show. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a term I coined. I'm talking about FANG! Yeah, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. These stocks have gone out of style on the Wall Street fashion show, lamentably. Smart money keeps telling you to get out of these big tech stocks into small cap, Russell 2000. Anything that needs a roaring economy to thrive, they want you to forget Fang and bet big on everything that does better with the vaccine. Or, of course, the vaccines themselves. I say not so fast. There are some stocks that become a lot less attractive when the world goes back to normal. Oh, but not Fang. These companies are living, breathing organisms. They're so powerful that they're no longer connected to the prevailing economic winds. Instead, they're in charge of their own destiny. They don't care who's in the White House or how soon we get vaccinated. Let's take them one by one. Acronym order. We all know Facebook pretty much owns the social media advertising business, but for years, the company had a reputation for the rapacious pursuit of profit at any cost. It put a target on their back. While CEO Mark Zuckerberg can fight the government, it'd be better if he didn't have to. So last year, management changed the narrative. They started rolling out a slew of brilliant initiatives designed to help people who've been using Facebook or Instagram to build their business but need help from the company. They're fledgling. These small, medium-sized businesses, these enterprises are the backbone of the U.S. economy. And at a time when many of them are being wiped out by the pandemic, Facebook threw them a lifeline. 
I was recently on a show on CNBC with Gary Vaynerchuk. He's the world's foremost social media expert. And he was waxing profound about how advertising on Facebook and Instagram Incredible bargain for small business. I've interviewed the CEOs of consumer packaged goods and apparel companies. They tell me the same thing. Facebook still gives you the best bang for the buck. More important, by making his platform essential to small and medium-sized businesses, Zuckerberg has the perfect defense if the regulators try to rein him in. Anything that destroys small business is radioactive in American politics. Plus, Facebook's planning to launch its own digital currency. I don't know, its own Bitcoin. Who knows? They could easily move into the red-hot payment space and probably dominate it. And, geez, wouldn't that be the right thing to do? What's not to like? Next up, Apple. Apple managed to rally today thanks to not one but two positive pieces of research. Loop took the stock from hold to buy, talking up the strength of the new iPhone. And the already bullish Morgan Stanley pounded the table on Apple as a fabulous 5G play. I need to add that the service revenue stream just keeps growing and growing and growing. I think that story is still in infancy because Apple has the most satisfied customer base on Earth. That is what Tim Cook's all about. Yet many very smart money managers just don't get it. And they don't own it. Right now, there's a sense that Apple stock is overvalued. It sells for around 30 times next year's earnings. Dead wrong. First off, I bet these estimates will turn out to be way too low. Especially when you factor in the rapidly declining dollar, something you never hear about. When the dollar was going up, it was crushing Apple. I mean, I would listen to the chorus and, oh, my, and they're leaving billions on the table. Not anymore. Apple's enormous overseas earnings translated into some more greenbacks. Second, you got to stop valuing Apple like just a pure tech hardware stock because it's got a kind of a consumer packaged goods play, but stickier thanks to all that recurring revenue. Third, they don't get enough credit for the wearables. The Apple Watch has crushed the competition. They own this whole space. Finally, this morning, out of nowhere, our government slapped penalties on a gigantic Chinese oil company, Chinese semiconductor company. I expect the next president to go easier on China. But even if Biden decides to be as tough on China as Trump, his administration will never be as arbitrary and capricious. That means no more endless worry about a possible Chinese boycott of Apple products. Major price-to-earnings multiple enhancer. And how about Amazon? Okay, I know it's old hat. But COVID cases are exploding right now. And whenever the pandemic gets out of control, what do people do? Yeah, they turn to Amazon for their shopping. Every expert tells us that it's going to get worse and worse. Sad for our country, but fantastic for Amazon. Hey, I bought floss on Amazon this weekend. I don't want to go to the drugstore. I got some floss. Why not? How about some of my Sensodyne, too? Whatever. I put myself in one of them automatic things. I got like five boxes of Sensodyne every single week. It's very crazy. I gotta, how do I stop it with the Sensodyne? All right. I think this is the kind of company that can reinvent itself once a month. Amazon recently announced it's going big into the pharmaceutical space, and the drugstore stocks have already been obliterated. That's why they call it the Death Star. Oh, and don't forget, this is Cyber Monday. Do you really think Wall Street tomorrow is going to ignore the incredible sales Amazon puts up this week? How many firms are going to raise their price targets tomorrow? Then there's Netflix. Now, which a lot of people have been writing off lately. Oh, I think that's a mistake. Netflix just makes a series about chess arguably the most cerebral, abstruse, and maybe even boring game in the world. You'd think it'd be terrible, but these guys know exactly what people want to watch. Sure enough, Queen's Gambit was viewed by 62 million accounts. That's incredible. Right when you were ready to count them out because the pandemic has frozen new productions and there's nothing on the schedule that seems remotely interesting, they released their biggest breakout hit ever. If you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing with your life? Even my sister, who wouldn't know chess from checkers, loved it. Finally, there's Alphabet. The artist formerly known as Google. Among other things, Alphabet owns YouTube. And I can't believe how pervasive this thing has suddenly become. It's got great economics, and it's still growing like a weed. I like the Google uh, Cloud Services. Uh, if these guys want to own the NFL, by the way, either the broadcasting rights or the entire league, for all I care, they can afford it. 
The reason to stick with this stock here is that it's an advertising play. And once we have a vaccine, all sorts of travel and entertainment companies will start running ads again. Travel is normally the biggest category. In other words, Alphabet's been a terrific COVID winner, but it's also a vaccine winner. What about all the groups that all these very smart strategists want you to swap into? I know that oil was up big this month. I say, so what? Even at $45 a barrel, very few oil companies can meet the estimates here. You want to own an oil stock in the era of President Biden? Good luck. The cyclicals. Look, I love them as much as anyone. And you can bet they'll have more lift once the vaccine hits. But they've already been bit up dramatically. I like the rest of tech, especially after what we heard from AMD's Lisa Sue this morning. Their sales are booming. We're going to hear from Dell Technologies later in the show. PC business is on fire. But the bottom line. The FANG stocks are the group that led us higher this year, and they are not going away. Not anytime soon. We need some questions. Why don't we start with Lenny in Virginia? Lenny! Hey, Jim. Big booyah to ya. Right back. Right back. Just wanted to say that my father introduced me to your show about 16 years ago, and I've been a loyal watcher ever since, and you haven't aged a day. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Tell my wife. Yeah. My wife is calling me now. She's, she, we're okay. What's going on? <laughs> so my, uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on T-Mobile. T-M-U-S is a T-Mobile's a buy. You know what? ATT's a sell. Verizon's good for when you want to have that income. And T-Mobile is the growth stock. I cannot believe how that company just keeps hitting it. I'm a little tired of their ads, a little tired of the music, but that doesn't mean I'm tired of the product. Andrew, New Jersey. Andrew. How you doing, Jim? I just want to say, you know, uh, happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, I hope you had a safe holiday. Um, my question is about eBay. Um, you know, I'm a little surprised as far as for, you know, being back Friday and the holidays coming up that it's, um, you know, sitting where it's at. Um, you know, my question is uh, buy, sell, or hold. We see, I like um, that we had earlier today. I saw we had Etsy on. I like, uh, I, I, I have to tell you, I do like Shopify, which has, I think, its own show. I see them on a lot. And, and, but, but, but mostly, I like Amazon. And then all the way at the bottom, I like eBay, kind of down in the bottom of the bay, okay? You don't want to be there. Let's go to Dean in Ohio. Dean! Hi, Jim. How are you? I am well. How about you? I'm okay. My stock is Kroger. Kroger uh, purchased the exclusive rights to Okado's technology. Okado's stock symbol is OCDDY. Kroger is to construct a customer fulfillment center early 2021 at Monroe, Ohio. The uh, CFC will provide state-of-the-art automation and AI. A 200-item grocery list can be picked and loaded in a matter of 15 minutes, expanding Kroger's footprint in e-commerce. Is Kroger a buy? I happen to be, you know, a kind of underrated Kroger. I have to admit, there was a time when I started losing faith just because, oh, my, that's such a hard business. But you know who's restored my faith? That current management, Rodney McMullen. Hey, Rodney, Rodney sent me some ice cream recently. It's fabulous. That's not the reason why I like the stock. Although the ice cream retchers was really, really good. I especially like the chocolate. But anyway, yeah, Kroger's good. Uh, and they're going to be able, I think if they have the vaccine, we really, a lot of these different retailers, uh, grocers are going to have the vaccine. That's going to be the tale of the next tape on that group. All right, now listen to me. Don't forget what actually took us to record levels. I'm talking fine. And it's not going away anytime soon. Don't let people talk you into going and buying Conoco or Occidental. We have money tonight. One of the most famous names in financial markets just put together a $39 billion deal to combine with a research company that supplies forecasts to most of the world's biggest companies. 
I'm going to tell you what it means for the finance industry when I sit down with the CEO of S&P Global. Then remote work is helping power Dell's business to new heights. They know this more than anybody. Could it continue? Let's talk with Michael Dell. And as more people opt out of public transportation and ride sharing due to COVID, what does it mean for a company like Carvana? I'm talking with the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I am looking for a Dr. Kramer education here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Mr. Kramer, it is an honor. I've been watching your show for about 10 years. Long-time, first-time, love your show, and it's time to write another book, Jimmy. I want to give a big shout-out to my dad who turned me on to you long ago. My dad turned me on to your show. Thank you for all you do. Thank you so much for everything you do. To be a great investor, you need to break the Wall Street code, and I'm here to help. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Merger Monday's back, baby. This morning, we got a huge deal in the non-bank financial industry. The only kinds of financial stocks that have been worth owning this year. Two of the world's largest purveyors of financial data, two of my favorites actually, are joining forces. S&P Global's happy up IHS Market, and that's KIT, for $39 billion in stock. Regular viewers know S&P is the credit ratings agency. It also runs all the S&P Dow Jones averages, as well as having a big market intelligence division. But you might not know IHS Market, a leader in critical information and analytics for the financial industry. At a time when data is becoming the hottest commodity in the world, this deal will turn S&P Global into a colossus, which is why both stocks manage to rally there. Highly unusual in this kind of transaction. Usually the acquirer gets slammed, at least by people trying to lock in the game, also known as short sellers in this case. I think it makes sense. It makes sense. Why? Well, let's take a closer look with Doug Peterson, the president and CEO of S&P Global, and Lance Ugla, the chairman and CEO of IHS Market, to get a better sense of the deal. Gentlemen, welcome to Mad Money. Good afternoon. Good to be here, Jim. All right, Doug, let me start with you. A lot of people feel that you are a rating agency company, and yet I see this deal, and it tells me that S&P now diversifies ratings only about 30%, and the revenue you're getting is much stickier than the one you have. 
Yeah, we're going to go from being what people look at as a rating agency that was already well diversified with S&P Dow Jones indices and market intelligence and plats, but we'll have 76% of our revenue after this will be recurring revenue, and the rating agency will shrink from about 45% to 30%. So it's a repossession of the company in the highest growth areas of the financial markets. And that's one of the reasons why I think the uh, the stock went up, as opposed to a lot of people thought it might go down, because some people felt that you paid too much. You know, I didn't think so. Lance, I love your company. I've loved your companies, you know, for many, many years. Why sell now when you had a full head of steam? Well, you know, when uh, Doug called me uh, and I picked up the phone, uh, we got together and it was a very compelling story. You know, being able to take our content and then leverage that across S&P's global distribution platform, you know, is a real win-win. And uh, so um, one plus one equals three here. And uh, it's compelling. And I can't see anything else that can beat this combination. No, Lance, one thing I, I was trying to figure out today is how much overlap there is. Uh, because some people were saying about antitrust. I don't see it as that. I see almost no overlap between the two companies. Yeah, there is almost zero overlap. When we look across the whole uh, $11.5 billion of uh, revenue, uh, I, I would say it's negligible. Uh, almost, you know, just in a couple of our, our benchmarks and products that we have in energy, but it's a very, very small amount. So little to no overlap is how we, we would describe it. All right, so, Doug, you know, I, I've long valued the mosaic of businesses that you have, and you're a terrific uh, organization in terms of finding out different data. Tell me what uh, the data lake is, because you use that many times in the, uh, in the conference call, and I know that's an important term, and I want our viewers who have been in your stock from the day I met you to understand the data lake concept. Well, the data lake concept is where you take all of this disparate data, whether it's organized, it's structured, it's unstructured, and you put it together in an area where anybody can use it. And you can use it in new ways. You can, you can link it. You can analyze it. You can put Kensho-like uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence on top of it and find completely new insights. And IHS Market has a data lake structure. It's an architecture that works really well. We have the artificial intelligence and data science tools, as, as does IHS Market. But we think this is one of the most interesting and compelling parts of getting together. So, Doug, we know you as really a pioneer when it comes to ESG. Uh, you have decided a long time ago that this is the way that many people, younger people, are going to evaluate stocks. Boy, you hit that, hit that one out of the park. Will this help in terms of the ESG analysis that you can provide for uh, customers? Absolutely. We're starting at S&P Global with a strong uh, baseline of, of indices, of benchmarks, of data and analytics. And, and IHS Market brings a whole new set of data as well. In addition, they've got battery information about the EVs, about the evolution of different types of commodities, of carbon markets. Putting the carbon markets together with evaluations and ratings and indices, it's going to be a home run. Okay, so Lance, I don't know, I'm looking at I stay on a special advisor the company for one year. I, I have loved your work and have admired what you've done for a very, very long time. This would be a great combo. You want to just uh, go into the next big thing? Well, there, there's only one room for one uh, CEO. And uh, I have to say, you know, I've always admired S&P like you have. And uh, Doug's a great leader. And uh, this combination is super compelling. I'm a shareholder of the combined company, and I'm excited uh, for those prospects. And, uh, you know, my team will be forming part of Doug's leadership team, 
part of my board will form part of Doug's board, and it's going to be a great company, and I'm going to be glad to be a shareholder. Okay, so Doug, you, ju- you just pick up the phone. I mean, because your reputation, I know, is stellar. I've had that phone call. Uh, you just pick up the phone and say, look, I think this is a good fit. Let's figure it out. And that's the way it worked on an era of Zoom. No get-together, any handshakes. What could you do? Well, we started a year ago understanding our own strategy, looking at a long-term strategy in all the areas we wanted to find the highest growth businesses. And everything we looked at, it always pointed to IHS market. So I called up Lance at the beginning of September, middle of September, and we started talking. We got our teams together. The world of Zoom does work. Uh, we were able to meet frequently on Zoom and get to know each other better, do real due diligence, and here we are. And we're so excited about this opportunity and what we can do together. Well, I think you should be. Every time you've done a deal, you've come on the show, and I just like the company more and more and more. Doug Peterson, President and CEO of S&P Global, and Lance Ugla, Chairman and CEO of IHS Market. Please don't be a stranger, Lance. Great to see you, Doug. I hope to see you soon. Everybody's back after the break. Great to see you guys. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The average is pulling back from their highs. Let's not forget that COVID-19 has created all sorts of bull markets because there are a lot of money being made helping millions of people cope with the stay-at-home economy. Take consumer tech hardware like printers and personal computers. Last Tuesday, we spoke to HP Inc. after they reported a terrific quarter. But that same night, we got an even better set of numbers from HP's chief rival, Dell Technologies. Even though their enterprise business is a little slower than I'd like, Dell racked up some much better than expected sales, up 3% year-over-year, coupled with a massive earnings beat. They made $2.03 per share. Wall Street was only looking for $1.41, and they paid down a ton of debt. Sure enough, the PC business is on fire, thanks to the great home office built out of 2020. However, Dell stock barely budged in the news. I and mean, people couldn't, I don't know, maybe they were working about some sort of forecast. I mean, even when we beat the virus, there's a catalyst here. Companies are thinking about spinning off the Cloud King subsidiary, VMware, maybe as soon as September. Manage, we can't really talk about that. 
The company has managed to combine software, service, and hardware to become the market leader. Yet it sells for a ridiculously low price. I think it's a buy. Don't take it from me. Let's go straight to the source with Michael Dell, the founder, chairman, and CEO of Dell Technologies. Mr. Dell, congratulations on another strong quarter, and welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Always great to be with you. Michael, you are putting up some numbers that are just unbelievable. We're talking about numbers for uh, the client solutions group, outstanding demand for notebooks. But I have to tell you, I think that this Michael Dell as a service is what I want to talk about, because to me, that's real value added. So talk about some of the new things you're doing in order to make it so that people holistically want to choose Dell Technologies. Sure. So, you know, we're embracing as a service. And look, if you look at our balance sheet, you'll see $28.7 billion in deferred revenue, up 11%. And a lot of that is software licensing, maintenance as a service. And look, we brought together the leaders in infrastructure, hardware, and software. It's resonated very well. As you said, our client business, uh, you know, customers have certainly pivoted to all of the everything from home, right? It's work from home, learn from home. Uh, we're seeing double digit growth in education in, in government and consumer and, you know, the online direct business is up very strong. And uh, look, I think, I think the, the year ahead will be another very strong one for Dell tech. This last quarter uh, cash flow from operations was 3 billion on top of the strong profits and, Opink was up 35%, so you got to love that. You know, one of the things that I thought was really impressive is you've got this thing. Initially, I was, because I'm not in the enterprise business, Power Store. I was thinking, oh, my God, to check to see what kind of Power Store he has. Maybe he's got. No, this business, an old EMC nameplate business, has got amazing traction in a very short period of time. It's it's the fastest growing new uh, or, or storage platform we've ever had. It's ramping nicely. We did have double-digit growth in our high-end PowerMax and continue to have double-digit growth in VxRail. Uh, you know, and look, we're, we're, we're going to have another very big quarter in, in PowerStore in, in the fourth quarter. And look, I think customers are spending more on the client side than they are in the data center right now. Uh, but that data center spending is going to come back, and we're super well-positioned for that. Now, how about this? the uses of AR? I mean, Dell's using AR for the holiday season. I think it's going to be a huge holiday season for you. I think this is what people want to give each other because they all know, hey, so-and-so's stuck at home and so-and-so doesn't want to share PC. The share PC thing doesn't work, right? No, you know, if, if you, you think about a typical household where you might have had uh, two parents and, and two kids, maybe you had two or three PCs. Well, you know, if the kids are learning online, you know, the parents are working online, you, you need to have one per, per person. And, you know, while some of the other competitors uh, did pretty well, you know, the opting in our, uh, in our PC business grew 36% year over year. The other competitor you mentioned, their operating income was down. Uh, and and just, just so you know, Jim, you know, our, our business is about 20% larger than theirs and almost twice the profit dollar. So I would argue we got a way better business and uh, certainly we're, we're expanding the, the growth in consumer online direct has been staggering. And, you know, Dell.com is the, is the place to buy your PC right now. Well, I, I think that when I look at Dell, I think remote. I think flexible work. I think these are things that you were doing long before a pandemic. Yes. 
Yes, and and you know you you also mentioned VMware. VMware continue to have a another strong quarter, right? Uh, you know revenues were up eight percent, operating income was up eighteen percent. Very strong growth in subscription and SaaS revenue up forty four percent. Triple digit growth in VMware filed on AWS, and we're making progress on the spin. Uh, I'll tell you, Jim, we've had resoundingly positive feedback from shareholders, and that probably doesn't come as a big surprise. And we're confident that by distributing the Dell Tech stake in VMware directly to our shareholders, it's going to benefit all concerned. It'll simplify the capital structure, enhance flexibility while we maintain these very beneficial commercial relationships that we have. And the core business, as you're seeing now, is healthy on its own and has a runway to continue to grow. And this is just another example of our relentless focus on delivering value for all our shareholders. Do I need to worry about the infrastructure solutions group where the revenue was down $8 billion? Oh, it was $8 billion. That's down 4%. You weren't happy with it. I mean, what do I, can that change? Sure. So, look, I think we're seeing some better trends in servers, but if you if you dial into any specific customer and, you know, meeting with more customers this last quarter than maybe I ever did because we're able to do it, you know, remote and, and virtually, you know, they, they've shifted their budgets over to the, the client side. I and so, you know, it's, it's it, you know, customers don't have infinite budgets and they're, they're definitely spending more on the work from home than, than they were before. They're deferring some of those data center investments, but we're well positioned for the edge, multi-cloud, 5G, you know, we're seeing some nice growth in some of the high value and AI type workloads. So I'm confident, you know, that that uh, as some of the, the client spending maybe comes down as we get into the second half of next year, we're, we're well positioned for the data center. Right, I can't, I have to use this opportunity because I know you will never say a good word about yourself. That is not your style. But Dell Student Tech Crew, I'm going to give you a choice. Dell Student Tech Crew or, or my friend Greg Lemkow, my talk with earlier today about the S&P business that he's now going toward your foundation. These are things that you do uniquely. Let's talk about training kids, Student Tech Crew. This is really important. Sure. So it's just one project that we're excited about. And we launched this last year. And what it enables is high school students to get hands-on IT training so they can support their school and also gain experience as they access careers in tech. And it's part of our Progress Made Real plan, goals for 2030, look it up online. And, you know, last year we trained hundreds of students. This year we'll train thousands of students. And that will all touch hundreds of thousands of their peers and get the next generation ready for the jobs of the future. All right. Remember, people, that business is the greatest source of social change. And you're looking at someone who is making that happen. Michael Dell, Chairman and CEO of Dell Technology. Congratulations to the quarter. Congratulations on everything you do to help youth. Great to see you, sir. Thank you, Jim. Great to be with you. They have money's back after the break. Market's taking a breather. What do we do with the red hot used car stocks? 
Take Carvana. It's the digital-use car market that was practically tailor-made for the COVID economy. They were doing contactless deliveries long before the pandemic hit. So it's no wonder the stock has had an incredible run. Carvana's stock has surged from 92 to 250 year-to-date after a pit stop down to the low, 200, uh, last low 20s at the March low. I, come on, that was an incredible buying opportunity because you've got tons of people migrating from the cities to the suburbs or the country, and they all need cars to get around. But they don't necessarily want to visit a dealership in person. Sure enough, late last month, Carvana reported a phenomenal quarter. Even though they sold fewer units than some wanted, these sales were ridiculously profitable. We're talking about $4,000 gross profit per car. Wall Street was only looking for $3,400. Since then, the stock's been flying. So is it time to ring the register? Or is this exactly the kind of anointed winner that's worth holding on to right now? Let's check in with Ernie Garcia III, the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Carvana, to get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Garcia, welcome back to Man Money. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so Ernie, I got to tell you, I was kind of blown away. I was looking at the progression of, of, of money per car, what you've made per car. And, and this is a company a lot of people felt you would never make a lot of money per car. Well, you're almost, you, you, you're making, just give people the, the four-year projection so people know what kind of trajectory you're really on. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, we went public in 2017. Um, you know, in 2016, we made about $1,000 in gross profit per unit per car. Um, and then, as you said in the intro, in the third quarter, we made about $4,000 in gross profit per car. So we've moved that up uh, very quickly over the last several years. We've done that by vertically integrating, by making our customers' experiences more simple, uh, by buying more cars from customers so we can cut out costs out of the equation that way, uh, by giving customers a great financing experience. So we, we've really kind of built out in many different ways to continue to deliver that great experience for our customers while improving our monetization as well. Because there are a lot of people say, oh, Jim, it just pull through. Stop being enamored of it once the pandemic's over. And I said, no, first of all, it's a huge market. Second, this is the way younger people want to buy cars. They want to go to their cell phone and they want to buy a car. Isn't that the way people are doing things now? You know, I think uh, all of us as consumers just want things to be done uh, in the easiest possible way and in a way that we can trust. And so uh, I think the whole thesis for Carvana from the get-go selling cars online. It was about using modern technology to give customers a broad selection, a simpler experience, a fair price. Um, and I think that those are things that, you know, whether it was before the pandemic, in the pandemic, or after the pandemic, uh, I, I think they're attractive. And so we're working really hard to continue to build in those directions and just deliver great experiences to our customers. I think that people don't understand the value of your inspection and reconditioning. To me, it seems like that is a secret sauce uh, that is growing. You just put up a new one and it makes me feel like that you guys really know how to measure how much a car's worth? Yeah, so we've got uh, you know, reconditioning centers around the country. We've been building those out very, very quickly. Uh, what those reconditioning centers are is they're about 100-acre facilities where we'll have thousands of cars parked on the ground. We have an assembly line uh, set up where cars will get inspected, and then whatever parts they need added to them or whatever fixes they need, uh, they'll get done. They'll get detailed. They get photographed. They get put up on the website. Um, and then we can run our logistics out of those locations, and that gives customers uh, the peace of mind of knowing that they've got a car that has about $1,000 of parts and labor put into it, that it's Carvana certified, uh, and and it makes it easy for us to deliver those cars to customers very quickly while giving them a broad selection. So I do think that aside from just the online transaction mechanism where a customer can go to their phone or go to the computer and buy a car in a seamless way and get a proof of financing, the underlying supply chain that includes our logistics network and those inspection centers is a really big part of what we do. And that makes it, I imagine, holistically better than just going to a car auction and buying a bunch of cars. 
Well, I think our goal is to make sure that we're delivering to customers extremely high-quality cars that they can rely on. So we give them a seven-day return policy so they know they can return if they don't like it. But we want to get it in great shape. We want to photograph it. We want to call out any imperfections that are on that car ahead of time so they know what they're going to get ahead of time. Um, And we think the inspection centers really enable us to do that. The other thing I think is really big in terms of getting cars to customers that are uh, the quality that they want and give them the selection that they want and also the price they want is buying cars from customers. So in the third quarter, we also bought more cars from customers we sold the customers and that of the cars we sold the customers, 56% had been purchased from another customer. And so, you know, we're cutting so much out of the traditional value chain where a car may be traded in a dealership and then it gets transported to an auction and sold at auction and then it gets transported to the next dealership and sold at that dealership. And we're just buying from a customer, we're reconditioning it, putting a thousand dollars of parts and labor into it, and then delivering it to the next customer and cutting out all that cost along the way. So that's a, a big driver of our growth as well. All right, we said Lithium Motors on a company I know you admire. Uh, there are other companies that must look at your model and say, you know what, Lithia said, we, we can get in there uh, and we can give, we didn't say you give you a run for the money, but but they said, obviously, we can be uh, extremely competitive versus Carvana uh, without denigrating them because I know you like them. Is it possible <laughs> to be extremely competitive versus Carvana? Of course. I mean, listen, what we've built, uh, we've built in the last eight years, and we've done it with thousands and thousands of people that come in every day, think about only this problem, care deeply about our customers, keep a focus on our customers. And what we've done is over the last eight years, we've you know, crossed thousands and thousands of hurdles and done all these things that are difficult along the way to make sure that we're delivering great experience to customers. And I think uh, as more and more companies out there see that customers want to buy cars these ways, uh, we should expect more companies to come out and try to do similar things. Uh, and I think just like, you know, we face these challenges over the last several years and we'll face the same challenge over the next 10 years, I think um, all of these companies are going to face these challenges of it's not just about selling cars online, it's about ensuring that you give customers a great experience. And that's about the thousand little things that happen behind the scenes so that customers excited and tells their friends about how great the experience was. And so because of that, we try to stay really focused on our customers. We think that's our guiding light and try not to focus too much on competition. Um, but certainly there will be more competition out there. Um, and, and you know, the companies that you're mentioning is a great company. We wish them the best. Uh, but I do think it's, it's all the little things that matter. It's not, the, it's not the decision to head in that direction. It's the execution of the little things. Okay. You just, and I know i got last question, but you mentioned something about word of mouth. Now, uh, I bought a car on Carvan. It, it, it wasn't, I didn't like it. It wasn't my oh, right no. car. I said, I, I said, I think they'll really take it back. You came and you took it back. Do you know how many customers I've given you because you did that? I mean, I couldn't figure it out. How come you took it back? I mean, I always thought once it left the lot, you're dead. But you, you're good. Well, so I, I think that, you know, what you're describing right now is what really matters. Um, a customer, when they, when they buy something as important as a car, they spent $10,000 to you know, $100,000 on the car, right. um, and it gets delivered to them. That's a really important moment. It's, it's oftentimes accompanying a life change. Um, it, it's an emotional moment. And if you deliver to a customer an experience that's differentiated and extremely high quality and great, they're going to love you forever, and they're going to tell their friends. And if you do the opposite, then the opposite's going to happen. Uh, and so that return policy is part of us holding ourselves account- accountable to our promise of delivering you know, great selection and great cars, and then giving the customer the ability to return it. If it wasn't in great shape, you can return it. If it's not the exact car that you hoped it would be when you got it and it doesn't perfectly fit your life, you can return it for that reason as well. And in the long run, we think that'll pay us back. All right. Totally agree with you, Ernie Garcia. What a remarkable performance you've had. I've watched this company since it came public. Well done, sir. Well done. Thank- Ernie Garcia, Carvana co-founder, chairman CEO. Do you understand why this company has a secret sauce? This just works, okay? Mad Money's back after the break. It is time! It's time for the night! 
And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski that. Over the lightning round question. Let's start with Chris in California. Chris. Booyah, Jimmy Chillin'. But the chill man is in the house. What's up? Hey, quick shout out to my grandfather, Leon, in Indiana. He's got me interested in the stock market at a young age. Love. He's a big fan, and he wanted to say hi. Thank you, love. Tell him thank you. That's great. Go ahead. The stock I've been following is on fire in the last couple months. Acting like a high-flying tech stock, even though it pays a solid dividend, my stock is Olin Corporation, ticker O-L-N. That complex is going higher. You are on to something. It's an inexpensive stock. Uh, my man Frank Mitch is the guy who covers these for me, and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm saying, this thing's on fire, but basic chemicals are working. Let's go to How about those nice comments? Your grandfather, terrific guy. Let's go to Joanna, please. Joanna. Booyah, Jim. Thank oh. you for taking my call. Booyah. And thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge. And of course. Do my best. Doing my best. I am, I'm new to trading, and I'm wondering your thoughts on Peloton. It's very up and down, and I'm currently ahead. Okay, let me just tell you how I look at Peloton. Sometimes stocks are too hard. I think Peloton's too hard. We got to worry about the pandemic, but we maybe don't worry about the pandemic. Are the people going to Peloton and they're going to go to the gym? Is it come back? Too hard. When it's too hard, we take a pass. I need to go to Mark in Florida now. Mark. Hey, Kramer. How are you feeling tonight? On fire. How about you? I'm feeling My good. My hair's feeling on good. fire. Thanks. Ooh, that's, a, that's not much of a fire. Thanks for, thanks for taking the call. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, I had a question for you. I, I hope we didn't forget about them, but uh, J&J. I, I, I bought it on the dip, and, and it just keeps dipping. So I wanted to see what you thought. I think j and is fine. I mean, right now people are saying, what is it, the crickets that we're hearing about their vaccine? It's okay. My child will trust me to say, you know what, we had a really good run in J&J. We're going to move on to Boeing. That's an interesting trade. I think you're fine, J&J. It's an inexpensive stock when the dollar comes down. That would be good for you. Let's go to Calvin in Texas. Calvin! Booyah, Jim. How you doing? Very well, thank you. How about you? Good. Cinemark is selling right now to about 15 and change, and I'm predicting to go up to 35 or above. Post-pandemic, last year in December, it was at 35. I think it's going to rebound, and it's going to go way beyond that after Pfizer comes out with, you know, that. All right. Vaccine. And, and then there's a little pop, pop in the bubble with the stimulus package. I just wanted to uh, know what your thoughts were. I don't, look, my daughter went to the movies this weekend, <laughs> but it was in Madrid. Now, here's the problem. I think that this one is going to have, it's going to be a foot race between the vaccine and their business. If you think the vaccine is going to be done in April, you've got a winner. And that's what you got to recognize. You need it in April, okay? That's when it, because it's going to report. Uh, and, and you got to be there for, uh, it may, it may have a report, but it'll be a little late. Let's go to Jacob in New York. Jacob. Booyah, Jim. How Booyah. are you? Hey, I'm calling about lemonade, not the drink, the company. Do you we, think it's a legitimate company? Yes, totally. Talk? We had him on. Schreiber's fantastic. I mean, this is this little company that is doing so well. And by the way, all the kids, they brag about, whoever would brag about their insurance? I got kids in the office. Like, hey, I use lemonade. I mean, like, okay, great, great. I mean, like, wow, that's really exciting. I mean, oh, I mean, hey, I'll double click on that. Yeah, what a tan that's got. Let's go to market situation. Let me unpack that and pull this thread. Jackson in North Carolina. Jackson. Booyah, Jimmy Chip and Go Tar Hill. I'm I like that. I'm today about 
Rocket Companies, ticker RKT. It's in a two-month downtrend, but they have a strong balance sheet. Jay Farner is an excellent CEO. Jimmy, is it a buy at these levels? Well, you know, look, it does trade, unfortunately, with the banks and not with uh, financial services. And yet their business is so good, you would think it would get a higher price earnings multiple. I mean, I can't tell you to sell it here. I can't tell you to buy it here. I can tell you it's a good company. How about that? Let me go to Brandon in New Jersey. Brandon. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. How's it going? The chill man is in the house. He's happy. What's going on? I'm just curious on your thoughts about energy transfer LP. And that leads to the conclusion of the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. We all want to find the next Tesla, don't we? The next company that will revolutionize the auto industry with electricity or even green hydrogen. There's just one problem. The next Tesla is uh, Tesla. There's a reason why this company has a $538 billion market capitalization and a stock that's up nearly 600% for the year. Tesla is the most popular electric car on Earth. They make them in America. They make them in China. Pretty soon they'll be making them in Germany, the promised land for the auto industry. The thing is, it, it, it wasn't easy. So far, many have tried to build a better electric car, and they've all failed. Elon Musk has been at this thing for 17 years, but Tesla only started turning a profit a year ago. Makes me think that the company has a bigger competitive moat than we give them credit for, especially when you consider that Tesla doesn't even need to advertise in an industry that spends fortunes on marketing. We've been waiting for Tesla's rivals to come out of the woodwork for years, and we're still waiting. I think Ford actually can pull it off. They're rolling out an electric version of the usually popular F-150 pickup truck, but it's not until 2022. The big automakers, they just haven't had a ton of success yet. Although I have to tell you, I think GM has a lot cooking in the space. But as for the smaller players, the Tesla derivatives, they're tough to value because at this point, they're mostly hype, especially the many companies vying to become the Chinese Tesla. Take Neo, which I know so many people love. I'm watching the Neo uh, Twitter file, NIO. I mean, it, it is the most legitimate. There's a real market for Neo's cars. In the last 12 months, they've racked up close to uh, $2 billion in sales, uh, although they're still losing a great deal of money. However, the stock's insane. Neo's now a $69 billion company. It's expected to lose $700 million this year. And a stock that's up more than 1,100% for 2020? What's wrong with this picture? There's a level at which something like Neo is worth owning, but I don't think it's up here. I'm more skeptical of the smaller speculative players like Candy Technologies, with a stock that plunged nearly 30% after Hindenburg Research, the short-selling firm with a history of taking down overhyped electric vehicle plays, published a devastating piece today. Hey, speaking of Hindenburg, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. The last electric vehicle play uh, these guys went after, uh, Nikola. This is the hydrogen-powered truck play, where the old management allegedly kept uh, committing fraud, like the fake video of the truck rolling down a hill adjusted to looking like it was running under its own power. Now, Nikola's stock has been making a comeback after an important and positive change in management. But today it got clobbered down 27% after GM announced their new terms of their partnership deal, and it was a lot worse than what they originally negotiated for the fraud charges. We got that unfortunate feeling when we actually when we interviewed the new CEO, Mark Russell, last week. Uh, there's a raft of insider selling going on, too, after a big lockup expiration. So it could have a little more downside. I'd say right now Nikola's a little too risky, although I recognize that the change in management is a good thing. I'm also getting nervous about plug power. 
That's a hydrogen fuel cell company you know I really like. And after its incredible run, I'm starting to get a little nosebleed. Too much insider selling, not enough organic orders. I believe in green hydrogen long term. But it's hard not to think that this stock has gotten way ahead of itself, especially after that gigantic glass secondary. Oh, and let's be sure, if plug power takes a breather, the whole complex could get hit. Again, I think hydrogen fuel cells are the future. I just don't think they're the near future. The technology is not there yet. Yet It's too darn expensive for the moment. That's why I prefer the non-pure plays, like Cummins, the big engine maker that's developing a hydrogen-based engine, uh, but also has good sales in China, or Lindy, the huge industrial gas distributor that sells a ton of hydrogen, but also lots of other gases. Now, I'd be more bullish on Cummins if we saw a national rollout of hydrogen fueling stations by an integrated oil company with lots of gas stations, maybe a BP or Royal Dutch. But that doesn't doesn't seem like it's on the horizon yet. By the way, if you don't understand all this hydrogen fuel cell stuff, and you may not, Cummins has the best explainer on its website. All that said, this whole industry is getting a major tailwind once the Biden administration takes over because the Democrats love alternative energy. You know how Tesla made it through the Great Recession unscathed? They got a $465 million loan as part of Obama's stimulus package. I call that money well spent. In retrospect, the government should take an equity stake. But that doesn't mean these fuel cell stocks are automatic buys, in part because a, a, a more environmentally friendly White House is already baked in. You want the next Tesla? I got an idea. Stick with the current Tesla. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.